Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Thursday, May 10th, 2018. Today, the suspected Russian Facebook ads are released. A new Apple credit card is coming. Why Roku is a quiet powerhouse. Robinhood raises a ton of money. And how your digital assistant might be susceptible to subliminal commands. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. House Democrats today released 3,519 Facebook ads that they say are from Russia-linked accounts spanning the years 2015 through 2017, showing the types of ads they say were attempting to sow distrust and contention in U.S. politics. The ads were released today by Democrats on the House Intelligence Committee, and Representative Adam Schiff of California, the ranking member of the committee, released a statement saying, quote, the only way we can begin to inoculate ourselves against a future attack is to see firsthand the types of messages, themes, and imagery the Russians used to divide us, end quote. There's a website where you can download a sampling of the ads, which I will link to in the show notes. It should be noted that these ads were not entirely one-sided, but were seemingly attempting to stir up passions on any side of a given issue. For instance, there was an ad spreading fake news that a Muslim was involved in a shooting incident in 2016 when that wasn't true. But there was also another ad encouraging Muslims to let their fellow Americans know that they don't support terrorism. There were competing ads encouraging people to protest for and against President Trump shortly after his election, but before his inauguration. As Bloomberg's Sarah Fryer tweeted, I've looked through many of the Facebook ads, and it's clear that Russia was aiming to exploit the fault lines in American society, gun control, race relations, immigration, and get people angry on both sides. The Wall Street Journal's Byron Tao tweeted, Some Russia-linked ads are downright weird. At one point, they spent $10 to show an ad to male employees of Facebook who lived within 10 miles of Palo Alto. Do you want to see the top five girls who applied for a job at Facebook, the ad said. It got 19 clicks. A little bit of Apple news potpourri here. Apple announced today that it is canceling plans for a $1 billion data center in Ireland because of delays in the approval process that have stalled the project for three years now. The data center, which was supposed to cover 116,000 square meters, was initially scheduled to go online in 2017. But then came the issues around approving the project, which originally stemmed from environmental impact and energy usage concerns and eventually evolved into individual complaints. The data center was supposed to bring 300 jobs to Western Ireland, and according to the Irish Times, more than 2,000 people marched in support of the data center in November of 2016. Irish Minister for Business, Enterprise, and Innovation, Heather Humphreys, said, quote, The government, together with IDA Ireland, did everything it could to support this investment. 
Ultimately, in spite of these efforts, Apple has taken a commercial decision not to proceed, making it clear that the delays that beset this project caused them to reconsider their plans, end quote. Apple had applied to build a sister center at the same time in Denmark, and that data center is about to come online shortly. Some news surrounding Apple and apps. 9to5Mac is reporting that over the last few days, Apple seems to have been cracking down on apps that violate its guidelines by sharing location data with third parties without explicit user consent. Apple has been removing the offending apps from the App Store and informing developers that they're in violation. This appears to be yet another move in anticipation of the upcoming European GDPR law going into effect in a matter of weeks. Apple is generally very strict about privacy policies around apps, but it seems that in some cases it feels it might not have been strict enough and is now erring on the side of caution. Also this morning, Bloomberg is reporting that sources have told it that Apple soon plans to let users buy subscriptions to some third-party video services in its TV app starting next year. Obviously, you can subscribe to any number of subscription streaming services inside their own apps, but this would be the first time Apple would allow other services to sell within its TV app, the intention of which is to aggregate all sorts of content into one place so that you don't have to go searching around a dozen different apps just to find what you want to watch. Amazon currently does something similar, allowing you to subscribe to various providers like HBO or Showtime right within its Amazon Prime Video app. As Bloomberg points out, this would be an interesting new way for Apple to further boost its much-scrutinized services revenue, as presumably it would take a cut from any subscriptions made from within the TV app. Finally, the Wall Street Journal is reporting that Apple is partnering with Goldman Sachs to launch a new Apple Pay-branded credit card. Apple already has an Apple Rewards credit card with Barclays, but this looks like a replacement for that partnership. What's the angle here? Quoting from the journal piece, As new iPhone sales growth slows, Apple is focusing on services such as mobile payments, streaming music subscriptions, and Apple Store sales. Apple Pay, which generates revenue on each transaction, is a key contributor, but adoption has been slower than executives hoped. Goldman, meanwhile, is pushing into consumer banking to compensate for a slump in its securities trading, where revenue has fallen by two-thirds since the financial crisis. It launched a retail banking business called Marcus in 2016 for online savings accounts and personal loans, and executives have been exploring adding credit cards and wealth management tools. Speaking of streaming video in the previous segment, this is an earnings report from a company I might not have mentioned normally, but Roku reported earnings yesterday and said that Q1 revenue was $136 million, beating expectations, and its net loss narrowed to $6.9 million, also beating expectations. But what was super interesting in the numbers was the news that for the first time, Roku made more money from advertising and licensing fees than from hardware sales. You might be familiar with Roku as that maker of hockey puck-like devices that are custom-made to hook up to TVs and provide a platform for streaming services like Netflix, Hulu, et al. But Roku has diversified of late, licensing its hardware and software to smart TV manufacturers to put into their products. In fact, half of Roku's new users last quarter came thanks to smart TVs made by the likes of TCL with Roku inside them. Roku claims that one in four TVs sold in the U.S. last quarter were Roku TVs. But Roku also has what it calls platform revenue, 
In other words, it takes a cut from subscriptions to streaming services on its platform, much like Apple might be attempting to do in the previous story. And it sells ads against content it streams. So Roku has quietly pulled off quite a feat here if ad revenue and content revenue are delivering more to the company now than hardware sales. So Roku has quietly pulled off quite a feat here if ad revenue and content revenue are now delivering more to the company than hardware sales. Ad and content revenue would obviously be a higher margin business, meaning that Roku has become a streaming platform to be reckoned with. When asked about this shift in revenue, Roku CEO Anthony Wood told Variety, quote, that shows our business model is working. A couple of other interesting tidbits from the Roku earnings announcement. The company has 20.8 million active accounts, up from 14.2 million a year ago, and streaming hours by users were up 19% sequentially. Roku says that half of its active users are what might be termed as cord cutters, or people who never had a traditional pay TV subscription to begin with. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop laptop that's had its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ka-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify transformed ResumeWriters.com from the spaghetti code backend I cobbled together in college to the world-class commerce platform it sits on today. And Shopify can do the same for your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ride, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash ride now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash ride. Huge raise from free stock trading app Robinhood. Various outlets are reporting that the company has raised a $363 million Series D round that values Robinhood at $5.6 billion. Robinhood started out as a simple stock trading app that didn't charge transaction fees and was targeting especially millennial investors. 
but it has been expanding into all sorts of things recently, including cryptocurrency trading. And the company says it has 4 million users, which would give it a larger user base than E-Trade. And it has passed $150 billion in transaction volume. As Axios points out, Robinhood seems to want to become a full-fledged consumer finance company and, quote, this is enough cash to help it pursue that goal, end quote. Robinhood is the only place right now where you can trade crypto, stocks, and options all in one place, CEO Vlad Tenev told TechCrunch. For us to construct an experience that feels seamless and natural for customers that, for example, want to sell an equity and use the proceeds to buy crypto seamlessly, that's been challenging not just from a product and design standpoint, but also an infrastructure standpoint. There's complexity under the hood, and our goal is to make it as seamless as possible in the process and make that complexity go away, end quote. Robinhood launched its free cryptocurrency trading just this past February, and though it's only available in 11 states at the moment, Robinhood is having to get all the necessary licenses and regulatory approval, the company said there are 1 million users waitlisted for access to the Robinhood crypto platform. Robinhood told Fortune that it hopes to be either the largest or one of the largest crypto platforms by the end of the year. FYI, this investment round was led by Yuri Milner's DST Group and was joined by a murderer's row, including Sequoia, Kleiner Perkins, and Thrive Capital. I've told you several days in a row now about Duplex, that voice-based assistant service that Google debuted at I.O., so I should probably tell you about the backlash as well. I'll link to two different pieces in the show notes that are coming at it from slightly different angles, but there's been tons of chatter all over the social medias as well. Zeynep Tufeci tweeted, Google Assistant making calls pretending to be human, not only without disclosing that it's a bot, but adding um and ah to deceive the human on the other end, with the room cheering it. Horrifying. Silicon Valley is ethically lost, rudderless, and has not learned a thing, end quote. And Anil Dash tweeted, This stuff is really, really basic, but any interaction with technology or the products of tech companies must exist within a context of informed consent. Something like hashtag Google Duplex fails this test by design, and that's an unfixable flaw, end quote. The Bloomberg piece talking about the backlash that I've linked to notes that the controversy over the new technology has made it to talk radio, where DJs have been wondering out loud if their colors were even real. And that's because the crux of the controversy seems to center around ideas of trust and veracity. Quoting from Bloomberg, there's a thin line between Google's aim of making its assistant like a human and not deceiving real humans with software like Duplex, end quote. In his piece, The Verge's James Vincent asks, quote, Does Google have an obligation to tell people they're talking to a machine? Does technology that mimics humans erode our trust in what we see and hear? And is this another example of tech privilege where those in the know can offload boring conversations they don't want to have to a machine, while those receiving the calls, most likely low-paid service workers, have to deal with some idiot robot, end quote. Vincent notes that Google is still calling Duplex an experiment, and no timeline has been announced for it to roll out for consumer use. Also, as we discussed yesterday, Duplex currently only works in three very constrained contexts, making reservations at restaurants, scheduling haircuts, and asking businesses for their hours. So it's not that I'm defending Duplex or anything, but I do want to point out that this is 
still very early days. We're not at the level of passing a Turing test yet, or even a Blade Runner-style replicant test. Not yet, at least. Okay, here's another similarly concerning story about new technology and fears of a robot dystopia. You know all those cool new voice assistants? Siri, Alexa, Google Assistant, Cortana. What could go wrong with them? Well, what if I could send audio commands to your digital assistant that you couldn't hear, but could maybe nonetheless command it to do things like, I don't know, buy things without your permission or unlock your front door if your smart speaker is connected to your smart home system? There's a piece up in the New York Times outlining how researchers in the U.S. and China have demonstrated techniques to embed audio commands in music or spoken text that the human ear can't hear, but a smart assistant can. As of yet, there's no indication that bad actors are using this sort of technique in the wild, but one of the researchers is quoted in the Times piece as saying, quote, my assumption is that the malicious people already employ people to do what I do, end quote. So, yeah, BuzzFeed's Charlie Wurzel tweeted, Probably once every four months, I read something like this and am made aware of a new threat embedded in some new technology that I have never even considered, and then I let out a deep guttural moan. The only solace that I can offer Charlie and you is to maybe end with this story. Carnegie Mellon announced today the first undergraduate degree offered by a U.S. university in the field of artificial intelligence. Andrew Moore, dean of Carnegie Mellon's School of Computer Science, said, quote, Specialists in artificial intelligence have never been more important in shorter supply or in greater demand by employers, end quote. So maybe we can just train a whole new generation of scientists to do battle with the robots, or at least mitigate the work done by the other scientists who are unleashing these robots on our world. If I could somehow secure the rights to the Flaming Lips song Yoshime Battles the Pink Robots, I'd be playing that in the background right now. So go ahead and do that for me. Open up Spotify and search for Yoshime Battles the Pink Robots. I put a link in the show notes. That's the Tech Meme Ride Home for today, everybody. I've been your host, Brian McCullough. Talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.